Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host, Max Cantor. This is a show where we meet and learn about comedians, talk about their late night influences, and also uh, their artistic careers as just funny people. Today, I have a very cool guest. He's calling in from Los Angeles, California. It's my first show where we have somebody not from Atlanta, so I'm excited about that. He is an actor, director, teacher, writer, and most importantly, he's a clown. Um, so please welcome to the show, Mike Funt. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to get to learn about your career and, and your influences. So to start off, you know, as a kid growing up, what late night influenced your comedy? Uh, well, as a kid, I was very influenced by Johnny Carson and uh, The Tonight Show. Um, I... It was it was always a real special treat to get to stay up uh, and watch him if there was a guest that was going to be on the show that I really liked, or if um, or if there was somebody going to be on that was a comedian that my dad or or uh, one of my parents uh, really enjoyed, they would let me stay up and watch it. It was always really special, and I and I loved the way that he hosted the show, and uh, he, he had a really amazing way of making whoever he was talking to the star. Like, he, he never pulled focus from them. He would hold to let them just really shine. And I always thought that was really cool. Um, and then there was another show uh, that was called Carson's Comedy Classics. And I believe it was just a collection of sketches from The Tonight Show. It, it may have been a separate thing. It may have been produced separately from The Tonight Show, but uh, I just remember uh, the Carson's Comedy Classics, and, and they were the sketches were so silly and off-the-wall and cartoony, um, and, I, and I just really loved them a lot. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, I loved to, to copy performances that, that I thought were cool, and so I, I remember when I was in first grade, I would, like, try to get laughs copying Johnny Carson's performances. And I had this teacher that said, okay, if you can sit calmly and quietly and behave for the whole week on Friday, I'll give you the last 10 minutes to put on a show. And so <laughs> that became that became my mission was like, I'm going to be good so that I could put on my show and I would like be planning and thinking about what I was going to do the, the whole week and just like watching shows and be like, Oh, that's a funny joke. I'm going to put that in my, in my thing. And, uh, so that was, uh, that was, uh, uh copying him for those, uh, first grade performances. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, for were, sure. Uh, well, some of my earliest. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you're in first grade. Are you, you know, the only person who's watching Johnny Carson at your age? Or, or are there a lot of your friends who are also watching it? I, I must have been the only, the only kid my age watching it. Unless it was like a rare thing on like a Friday night or something like that. People got to stay up. But I don't remember anybody else talking about him uh, or talking about The Tonight Show. Um the way that I did. Um, but uh, I, and I, I remember when Johnny Carson left The Tonight Show, I, I stayed up. I don't remember how old I was, but I couldn't have been that old. I, I must have been like somewhere between third and fifth grade. But um, we were, I watched every night building up to his last show. And on the night of his last show, I remember we were traveling down uh, to from Atlanta, where, near Atlanta, where I grew up, to Florida to visit my grandparents. And so we were driving down on the on the day of of his last show, and and we got there. And where my grandparents lived, they didn't have television, uh, like cable or anything. So I I got this old. They had this old TV in a garage, 
that was one of those like portable televisions from the early 90s with the the big antenna on it. So I, I watched his final performance in, in an RV by myself with this little television uh, that I had fished out of a garage, and uh, I I always thought that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's uh, true dedication. <laughs> like that's a very uh, concrete memory for me. It's watching that that final performance of his on that little television by myself. <laughs> so so when Carson left, did you have a favorite that you wanted to replace him, or when he left, you were kind of like, "That's it. That's the end of good late night." No, I I really liked him more than I liked the show. So like, I wasn't really interested in. Um, you know, I, I know there was the whole late night wars thing going on. I was too young to really know about that at the time, but like, I wasn't excited about like, Oh, who's going to be the new host. I was just like, Oh, my, my comedian that I like is not on this show anymore. So I don't care about it. <laughs> right. Um, so, so really what, what drew you to Carson was Carson himself. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, 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 I liked his style. I liked, um, I liked his sort of rhythm, and I just I thought it was a really interesting and funny person to watch. So thinking back, I mean, you you just said how uh, watching his last shows are really you know beautiful memory for you. Thinking back to all of the shows that you saw him do and all the sketches, what's one that that really stands out and that really just influenced you? Um. I, I remember that I, I always liked to copy that when he would do the, the Karnak uh, things. So, like, he he had this little bits that he would do where he would dress like a like a fortune teller, and then he would uh, hold hold an envelope to his head and uh, and and guess the answer to the question that was inside. And of course, then when he opens up. Um, the, the envelope, the, the question is, is is a joke or a play on words or a pun or something like that. And uh, so I, I remember I would I would write all of those down that I liked and I would copy them a lot for my little first grade performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Car- it was uh, Karnak the Magnificent, right? Yeah. Yep, that, yeah. So, so after Carson... You know, you start growing up, and of course, late night is going to transform. It's going to change. Where, where, what did you watch after Carson? Uh, well, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in late night after that. I, I had friends in high school that that were really into David Letterman. I had friends that were really into into Conan. Um, but I, I never, I, I never latched on to those guys really. Um, but, uh, I, I, I did start with late night again in college when, uh, John Stewart took over the daily show. So I, so I have this kind of gap between Johnny Carson and then John Stewart and the daily show, uh, because, at that point in time, when I was in college, I had started doing stand-up myself, and I was really interested in stand-up that uh, had something to say. Not necessarily did it have to be political, because I, I didn't personally do a lot of political stand-up. I had a little bit, but it was as long as it had something to say, I was really interested in it. Like it was making a comment on the world or society or politics or culture or whatever, um, I, uh, I, w- I was really interested in that kind of stuff. And so I, I got tuned in to that show, and I, I became a huge fan um, immediately. And I, I thought it was really inspiring because it was, it was a great comedy show and also a great... Um, source of information at the same time. So it was like, it was a good news show and also a funny show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when it first started out, um, it, it, it was it was kind of mirroring what it had been a little bit before with, with Craig Kilborn as a host. 
and then there was uh, they would do these uh, segments where they would go interview these people. And Stephen Colbert actually talked about this in an interview himself one time, where it was, you know, they, they would go to these people who were kind of ridiculous, uh, that, that were interested in something weird, or they had this big, strange festival every year. But they were basically like good people uh, that just liked this weird thing. And so the show kind of like was basically just like making fun of them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so it was kind of harsh at first. It wasn't uh, w- what it became, which is um, during the, um, the the 2000 election. I think it was the the, the 2000 election was was when they uh, Mc, John McCain actually invited them onto his bus. And it kind of legitimized them a little bit and threw it threw it into a, a, a new context, and, um, and 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 they sort of felt this new responsibility to to take on the big guys, but not poke fun at these local weirdos, but to, to but to actually poke fun at the at the people in charge who like need to uh, be taken down a peg, mm-hmm. and so that was the real shift for me is when the show became that. I was like, wow, this is a show that's, that's really doing something and really saying something. And um, I, I really liked, uh, liked it a lot at that point, and I, and I drew a lot of inspiration from it. And then when Colbert broke off and made his own show, I thought that that was just a work of genius. And I think that that, that time will prove uh, will prove me right on that, and it will it will go down as as some of the most brilliant satire uh, that that ever came out of the 21st century or something like that. I think I think the way he built that character and the way that he created that that clown that that is is basically a, a buffon clown uh, that could just say anything and get and get away with poking fun at these politicians directly to their face and they're laughing along with him. Like I just thought what, what he started with the daily show and then what became the Colbert report. I, I think that it was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, so you were watching these shows cause I know you said with Carson, you liked how Carson did a great job of making the other person, the star with the, with uh, John Stewart and both Stephen Colbert, were you watching it because of that, or it was more because of what they were doing comedically was so fantastic? Uh, with those guys, it was much more about what they were doing and, and how they were doing it and how they were presenting it. Um, Carson, that, that, that aspect of, of humility and, and being able to let the other person get the laugh and set them up to be the star, that was, that's, that's an aspect of him that, that I admire in hindsight. Um, and it's something that that I personally try to do and try to implement when when I when I do comedy now. Um, but that, but that was like one part of of lots of stuff that I that I liked about him. Okay. So when you look back at all these shows, you know Carson, uh, The Daily Show, Colbert Report, how did that end up influencing where you are now, or your first steps in becoming what you are now? Um, I, I think that Johnny Carson taught me a lot about timing, about, uh, about dealing, uh, about good joke structure and things like that. Um, uh, because he's just, he's just very much out of that classic style of standup. And he, he was just a, a brilliant executor of that style. Um, and 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 he was just sort of one one of the first people that that really sort of introduced me to that that style and and I and I just thought he was so brilliant at it uh that I think that that's kind of what influenced me the most from him and then um with the daily show and John Stewart I feel like what uh, what inspired me or what I took from that show was was being able to say something uh that needs to be said something that might be hard 
uh, for people to hear or whatever, but but taking these these issues that that need to be need to have light shown on them, and and finding a way to bring those to light, but also make it entertaining and funny and you know, and pointing out the ridiculousness of parts of it, but also saying, yeah, this part, these parts of it are ridiculous, but, but also something needs to be done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then with Colbert, um, Colbert was doing kind of similar things, but what, what he really did for me, and I, again, this is more reflecting back in hindsight, like, just being able to create a character and a persona that uh, that that has such a, a life that you can just live in it a hundred percent, and you know how that persona is going to respond to everything. Uh, you know, because he is when when you watch him on that show, he's always that character. Like he never he, he never breaks from being that guy. I mean, he might you might catch him like giggling at himself from time to time, but he, he'll, he'll find a way to justify why the character had done that. And so I feel like him as, as a brilliant, uh, satirical clown, um, is, uh, is really, really fantastic. And, um, like similar in, in the, uh, the way like Barry Humphreys as Damon is, is a very similar thing where you just like, create this character and this persona that has such a ridiculous point of view, but, but you can just live in that point of view a hundred percent while you're playing the character. I, I, I really love that a lot. Do you see anybody today truly doing that, you know, on TV when they have this character that they do encompass a hundred percent? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have to think about that a little bit. I, I see moments of it, or I'll see individual performances and, and go, wow, that was a really great version of that. But I wouldn't be able to... I, 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 there's no one that immediately springs to mind as someone who is consistently doing it in the way that uh, people like Stephen Colbert and Barry Humphreys, Groucho Marx, uh, would, would do. And and the only reason why I, I ask you that is because I was going to say, you know, oh, uh, in response to you talking about Stephen Colbert's character, I was going to say, oh, and so, 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 you know, does a really good job of that today. And I just couldn't think of anybody. And no name came to my mind. So I agree with you where, you know, it, it, you, I'd have to sit down and really think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no one there's no one doing it as well or as consistently there, there there are moments of it out there that are great mm-hmm. so do you watch uh uh late night with stephen colbert are you into that show or really once he left the colbert report you were that was pretty much it i, I gave it a little bit of a try but but honestly he they, it was it was the brilliance of that character which which drew me to him before and now he's you know, he's just a regular late night talk show guy, and he's he's still funny, but it's it's just not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and I think well, well, what do you think? You know, um, of the new the new hosts of of uh, late night political talk shows, like you know, The Daily Show now has Trevor Noah. So, do you still watch it or not so much? Uh, I I really mostly just catch pieces of that, you know. Uh, because of the way we we watch television now, like mostly on the, you know, computer and Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, uh, I rarely will sit down and watch one of those late night programs or something. I I really just like, oh, this thing shows up in my Facebook feed or something like that, and and I'll watch a clip of it, but I'll rarely sit down and watch a whole show. I just kind of get the bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to move move on past late night um, and talk a little bit about your career. You know, earlier when you were talking about Stephen Colbert, you were mentioning how he was a clown, and most people wouldn't wouldn't use that terminology. They wouldn't say a clown. And so, um, I want to ask you when you started really focusing on 
the art of the clown and, and when clowning became important to you? Uh, well, I, I've always been interested in clowns. Uh, even, even as a kid, you know, when you write your, uh, list of things you want to be when you grow up, uh, you know, uh, clown was, was, was always one of the things on my list. Um, you know, along with like zookeeper and like baseball, like all the things that that kids say they want to be when they grow up. Um, but when I was in college, uh, doing theater, I studied theater in college, and I I really got interested in uh, c- comedic performance, and uh, I did a lot of improv, I did a lot of um, sketch, I did stand up, and uh, uh, comedic plays and things like that. I was just really interested in comedy and, and comedic performance, and so I started. I've always been a person that, that loves to like read about the history of things that I'm interested in. And so I just like got interested in learning as much as I could about it and got, got really scholarly about it and just started to find out more and more about the idea of this figure of the clown, uh, the, the clown being this um, theatrical archetype, theatrical and cultural archetype, not, not just like white face, red nose, uh, big floppy shoes thing, right. but uh, so I feel like, especially in in the United States, when you say the the word clown, people have like a mental image of that. Um, you know, the character that you would see at a circus or at a kid's birthday party or something like that. But um, when I'm talking about when I use the word clown, I'm I'm referring to this sort of like archetypical figure that shows up in in theater and culture since we started having theater and culture as, as humans. And uh, so I got really interested in learning about that, uh, that stuff in college. And then I left college and I didn't have as much access to uh, this great library that we had at school. And so I, I kind of fell out of being interested in it for a while. And I, I was doing more stand-up and improv and stuff like that for quite a while. And then um, about eight years ago, um, uh, a friend of mine who, was, who ran the um, uh, Governor's Honors Program, uh, Georgia Governor's Honors Program, he asked me if I wanted to come teach theater there. And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. And so I said yes, and then I immediately was like, oh, what the hell am I going to teach, uh, <laughs> teach high school kids uh, about theater? I haven't done theater in a while. I've mostly been, I mean, I've been doing live performances, but not, you know, plays and stuff. And so I sort of racked my brain a little bit about how to give the program something that was unique and uh Part of my training in college was uh, that of a guy uh, named Jacques Lecoq, and he has a school in France called uh, École de uh, Jacques Lecoq, which is a theater school that's very based in physical theater forms. There's a lot of mask work and a lot of improvisation and uh, things like that. And so you spend your whole first year, it's a two-year program, and you spend your whole first year like learning all these different physical theater styles and then you spend 80% of the second year doing clown and because uh, because in his mind in his pedagogy clown was like the sort of amalgamation of all of those things and so I was like that stuff would be cool to teach that's not something that these kids uh, are going to have heard much about and it's something that, that I feel confident in, in being able to teach. And so I, I started out, because I taught there for five years, and the first year, I, I kind of gave a nice broad overview of, of the Lecoq method and things like that. And the thing that people loved the most was the clown part of it. And so the second year, I scaled back on the other stuff, and did more of the clown stuff. 
and they w- still wanted more. So the third year, by the third year, I was like, okay, well, we'll just spend maybe a few days as an intro to this stuff, and then we'll just spend the rest of the time doing clown. So starting from about the third year on, I started teaching just the clown part of it. Mm-hmm. And through the process of the five years of teaching there at that program, I was going to more uh, uh, learning uh, opportunities myself. Like I was taking more classes in the stuff so that I could bring it back to to the program. And so I was learning more myself. And just as, uh, you know, just as with anything, when you become aware of it, you start seeing it everywhere. Uh, and so, you know, I would look at a casting breakdown and see we need a clown or we need uh, someone with clown training or this kind of thing. And so I would audition for these things. And so I started not only learning more about it, but I was doing it more. And then over the course of my time there, it really became uh, my main focus. And so now uh, clown is pretty much all I do um, in terms of uh, performance in terms of teaching, in terms of creating theater, um, and things like that. So I, um, uh, I, I sort of came to it that way. That's kind of a incredibly long answer to your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine because I I had no idea that that's super cool about how you got there. You took so many steps to get there, and so I wonder, you know, if your friend hadn't called you to help out at governor's honors program do you think you would have eventually stumbled into clown or do you think you probably would have just stuck with stand up and improv i i don't i don't think i would have gotten back into it i i think that there would have been nothing to there was nothing pointing me in that direction at that point so uh, if if i did stumble back into it it, it would have been purely by happenstance i i I, I don't think there would have been a thing on the path that I was on that would be like, oh, maybe I should explore this thing again that I did in college. Right. Well, you said that you teach clowning. And so something that, that I want to know is when you teach clowning, because it's easy to tell people, you know, be silly, act goofy, make a silly noise or a silly face. What do you see uh, amongst all the kids that you teach? What's their biggest struggle when learning how to be a clown? Uh, the worst thing you can do is try to be funny. Like the first thing that everybody wants to do is come out with something that they think is hilarious and it <laughs> almost always falls flat. And uh, the the thing that that clowning is really about is trying to get people to realize that you you yourself are funnier than your funniest idea. So whatever idea you have of something that's going to be hilarious, that's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for from the clown is um, is honesty. And we want to see your reaction to things. That's the, the beauty of clown that makes a clown not an actor, is that he... Uh, he, he can relate to the audience, he can look at the audience, he can communicate with the audience. Uh, so there is no fourth wall for a clown. And uh, so that relationship with the audience and that connection with the audience and, and just sharing 100% of yourself is what it ultimately makes you funny. Because in that sort of very specific thing, you as yourself, we we all feel a connection to that. We all can relate to that, as opposed to you just coming up with this thing that you think is going to be funny. Um, I always uh, I always like to say that your clown is the thing that your friends make fun of you for behind your back. Like <laughs> that part of you is is what you have to bring on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. You know, it sounds like what you're saying is when when you are a clown, you have to be vulnerable. Would you agree with that? Yes, very very much so. It is very much an exercise in vulnerability. Right, because you just have to kind of, you know, drop all the walls, drop all the barriers, and just say, laugh at me, 
for who I really am, not for the character I'm playing. Right. Um, okay. Uh, David Bridell, who uh, runs the clown school here in Hollywood, uh, which is one of the places that I teach, uh, he has a he has a really great definition of clown that I that I like, where he says clown is celebrating your flaws in public, and uh, if you break that down, it's celebrating, which is not just enjoying, not just showing, but but having a really great time with uh, your flaws, which can have a negative connotation, but basically your flaws are all the things that make you uniquely you, and in public is in front of and with the audience. So being a clown is just having fun, being all the things that make you uniquely you in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I could, you know, that is such a good lesson to anybody who's listening or anyone who's not listening who might eventually hear this, I don't know. Uh, I think to, to really just embrace who you are and accept who you are, that is just super important, regardless of whether or not you want to be a clown. I think, in a way, everybody should be aspiring to be a clown. Oh, absolutely. I think so, too. So, and I know, I know where you can take classes. <laughs> uh, that's right. So <laughs> along, with, along with being a teacher, you know, you're, you're a writer as well. You've written your own clowning show. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I have developed a, a few shows um i i don't necessarily call it writing shows because i don't i don't sit down like i don't have an idea and then sit down at a computer and type out a script and then we have a clown show like the way that we develop uh clown shows is very much um rooted in the ensemble working together like i might have an idea and so i become in charge of Sort of crafting it, but we, whoever is performing in it, the performers, the director, um, we all kind of figure out the show together, uh, and it, and it kind of comes from that idea that I was just telling is that the clown is very personal to you. So I can eventually I can get to a point where I might know this performer well enough that I can write something that I think he or she would do very well. But in general, like. They they know them better than I do, so uh, so they bring their piece of it to the to the table when we're crafting the show, and through the rehearsal process we get to a point where we feel like okay we we have an idea of what this is now, and then we start putting it in front of people. First, we put it in front of you know invited friends and family to get feedback and. Again, as I said, the clown is is very much tied to the audience. So getting it up in front of the audience and performing uh, for people is is an integral part of the process because you have to see what's what's working for the audience. And if it's not working for the audience, then it needs to go or it needs to change or something like that. And then from there, we get it to a point where things are consistently working most of the time and and then that becomes the show that we tour okay and and do you work because i know you work with with four clowns that's the troupe you're a member of yeah. is it them primarily who you work with or you also venture out and work with other actors and actresses uh primarily with four clowns um uh, but not exclusively. Uh, there are other groups. Uh, there was a group here in Los Angeles called um, The Innocents that was a group of, of clown performers. There's a group called Wet the Hippo, which is a group of clown performers that I've worked with before. Um, there's a, a group here that started in Chicago, and they're here now called Ten West um, that I work with them from time to time. Um, so it's not, it's not exclusively with full clowns, but uh, that is sort of home base for me. Okay. It, it's funny, though. You're bringing up all these different clown troops, and I feel like no one ever talks about clown troops. <laughs> but they should. They should talk about clown troops. Absolutely. 
Um, so, so along with being a clown, you know, do you still get into doing stand up and improv and doing acting as like in in regular plays and musicals and all that, or are would you call yourself a one hundred percent clown full time? Um, I would say probably between ninety and ninety five percent clown full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but I I still do other things. But generally, generally when I'm asked to do them, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine was working on a film and. Um, asked me to play a part in it that he thought I would be good for. Um, uh, uh, if, if people, uh, I, I have lots of friends in theater that invite me to play certain characters. Um, in fact, I'll be near Atlanta and uh, Peter and the Starcatcher uh, next spring. Um, so occasionally I get invitations to do stuff like that um but but i i i wouldn't I, it, those are the only when people invite me to do things i i don't think i've auditioned to be in something like that for five years so you stick with mainly it, it's about being the clown yeah and and i and i like that because it's it's work that because it is so personal it's it's my own creativity that I'm putting up on stage, and it's something that that nobody else can do. Like it, because it came from me, and it came from my persona and my clown, and 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 it came. It, it's so much tied to who I am that you know, I, it's not something that I'm auditioning for, and someone can say, "Oh, you're not right for this this time." You know, I, I have to be right for it because I'm the only one that can do it. Because that <laughs> the, the play is based on what I created for it right well when you so so you said earlier that that you're a teacher and i know you don't teach clowning just in the united states you also travel uh to other countries and 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 teach teach it there so i want to know do you find that being a clown and your what you teach and the methods that you teach do you find that they're universal that a everyone everywhere understand the same concepts pretty regularly? Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, generally speaking, uh, we talk about the clown as, as being a, a beautiful idiot. You know, the, the, the clown isn't just beautiful because if it's, if it's just a beautiful performance, then that's, that's pure technique. That's ballet. That's, martial arts that's something that's executed very well uh and and just being an idiot is not is not interesting to watch either like we've all seen comedic performances where it's just like ridiculous and dumb but not very funny right. so the the clown is is having the the beauty and the uh and the idiocy to it uh, that's uh, as i said that that's a term we throw around a lot the clown is a beautiful idiot and uh, and the fact of the matter is that all over the world, all people are beautiful, and all people are idiots. Like we all have that, we all have both of those things in us. Uh, it's just it's a matter of culturally finding the way to unlock that. You know, like when I taught in China, part of being a clown is 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 learning how to kind of like live in and enjoy failure. But culturally, like failing and being bad at things is um, is a really negative experience for them. And so like get, getting them to sort of embrace and love the failure aspect of things was tough, you know, because, uh, you know, I would teach, I would remember teaching this one lady and she, and I was, you know, saying, oh, you messed up, you failed, you, like I was trying to like play with her and get her to have fun at messing up this thing that she was messing up. And um, afterwards, she came up to me and she was like, you kept saying that I was messing up. How, how could I have done it better? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, messing up was the fun part of it. Like, seeing all of the different ways that you can enjoy messing up this thing, that was the fun part. So, so to answer your question, yes, I feel like everybody has it in them and everybody can understand the clown 
Um, but but how how you find the way for people to access that part of themselves dif differs uh, culturally for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I think I think that's super cool that you travel everywhere to teach people, you know, how to unlock their inner clown. Because going back to what you said earlier, how we all have that inside of us, and how uh, we all have to really embrace our faults and embrace our idiot. I think that's an important thing. So I think it's cool that you're spreading that not only in California or the United States, but also the world. That's a good message to to spread. Uh. Well, well, thank you. I I agree, and I I think it's I think it's an important thing to learn whether or not you're interested in in being a performer, whether or not you're interested in creating uh, clown pieces for Cirque du Soleil or for a local theater or whatever. Like, it, you don't have to be wanting to be a professional performer or a professional clown uh, to benefit from taking the, the classes because it's, it's so much about learning about yourself and making fun of the parts of yourself that are worth making fun of. And it, it just is so great about, like, like you said, like l learning to be vulnerable in front of people and, um, and, and not taking yourself so seriously. And, and you can take so much of it into your life. Um, that that's not just about like oh we're going to put on a show. It's it's so much of it is valuable in your life as well. Mm -hmm. And I, and I've had I've had many students who uh, have come back to me and said you know you know what I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor or I'm a college student and th that thing that you taught me uh, has has been so helpful. I use it every single day. And I and I think that that's great. And I wish that that more people would get excited about. Um, pushing themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, 100%. So what what is your ultimate goal? You know, you've achieved so much. You've achieved so much. You're a teacher. You know, you write, you act. Well, I mean, you don't write like you said, but you brainstorm and create. Um, what What is your goal? How, how big do you want to take this? Um... Well, I, uh, as you mentioned, I am the artistic director of uh, a clown theater company here in Los Angeles called Four Clowns, and we do we do some really uh, terrific performances that we that we put on here in LA, and we and we take many of them on tour around the country. Um, so I, I love working with Four Clowns and and developing more work with with that group and for that group. It's a really, really fantastic, talented, amazing bunch of performers. Um, and so um, I, I hope to just continue to expanding what to expand what we do with that. Um, and then um, as you say, I also uh, teach. Um, I teach at the clown school here in Hollywood. Um, if, if anybody wants to check that out, it's uh, the clown school theclownschool.com, um, and it's really fantastic. There's myself and uh, David Bridell, who runs the school, uh, Zach Steele, uh, Virginia Scott, Phil Berger, some, some really, really um, fantastic performers and teachers there. Um, and, and I also teach workshops all over the world, um, and I... Uh, teach uh, as a teaching artist at a school called the Wesley School uh, in Hollywood as well. And I teach little kids. I teach kindergartners and first graders uh, clown and circus and things like that. Um, and so all of that stuff um, has led me, and as I was saying before, has led me into this thinking that it's not just about wanting to put on a show. It's about what this type of work does for people. And so um, I, I've done some work with an organization called Clowns Without Borders, uh, which is a group of really fantastic people that go all over the world into areas of crisis, uh, like refugee camps, um, places where, um, you know, there's been a, a natural disaster like the earthquake in Haiti or the hurricane in Puerto Rico. 
and they go to those places and they um, perform for and perform with kids in those areas who, you know, are going through these incredibly trying times. And just to give them a chance to play and have fun and laugh. Um, and I, I was really inspired by that organization, and I really love the work that they're doing. And to kind of tie it with what I've been doing and sort of all the things that I've done as well, I, I, I'm working on starting a, a nonprofit uh, called Circus 4, Circus F-O-R. And there's a, a component of it that's Circus for the Classroom, which is tied to what I'm doing at the, the Wesley School and um, bringing, using it as an educational tool, um, not just learning it for its own sake, but how, do, how, how you can use it to help kids learn other things or help them to develop other skills. Um, there's uh, Circus for Health, which ties into uh, the the hospital clowning and going into visiting patients who are terminally ill or chronically ill and lifting their spirits. Um, and then uh, there's the circus for fun component of it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start soon uh, just going into parks around L.A. and just setting up a, a, a place and saying, hey, if you want to come take this class, I'll be here for the next few hours. And, and just anybody who can can just wander in whenever and wherever they want to um, and uh, and be a part of it for as long as they as they'd like um, and then uh, and then there's circus for humanitarian outreach as well um, which is um, similar to what uh, clowns without borders does going going into places where people lack uh, the opportunity to experience joy and and hopefully providing that for them as well. So that's my next big project is starting this this uh, Circus 4 nonprofit. I it, it will be a lot of clown. Uh, I and I only use the word circus instead of clown um, just because in some places the word clown has you know weird or scary connotations for some people. So uh, I did I didn't want that word to be in the name per se, but uh, it will it will be a lot of what what I do with the clown stuff as a part of this program. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you are doing awesome things. I, I love the idea of having the free classes in the, in the park where people can just show up. I think that's a really cool idea. And I think that way it can expose the art of a clown, of being a clown to a lot more people. So I think that'll be really cool. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I, I, I hope it, I hope it, um, I hope it takes off. I, uh, I I have a a few out of town engagements coming up, um, so I I, I want to wait until I can do it consistently, and I don't want to have to be like, oh, I'm here every weekend, except next weekend I'm gone, and in two weeks I'm gone again. So like, I'm trying to wait and get that started when I can be here and do it on a on a consistent um, basis, but uh, but hopefully that'll get started soon and um yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes and um i just want to like i said i i have four clowns as as a way to create the the theatrical entertainment and i have the clown school and the wesley school as great places to teach in my workshops and things but uh so now i want to have this new platform to really expand on this idea of how uh, using using clown to to help people just feel good. Like it's not about making shows. It's not about actor training. It's about uh, using these tools to to help yourself enjoy life a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully, hopefully that will make people happy and make the world a better place. And uh, I will be Nobel Peace Prize winning clown. <laughs> Exactly. That'll be a, that'll be a big boost for the show. If you end up winning a Nobel <laughs> Peace Prize, you better believe I'll update the website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, I, I I really like what you said. You know, making the world a happier place, and that's what I tell people when when people tell me that they're scared of clowns, or uh, you know, ever, ever since I was a kid and I saw a clown, it freaked me out. 
I always tell them that that's not the point of clowns. You know, it's like what you said. The point of being a clown is spreading happiness, is making people smile, making people laugh. But to anybody who's listening right now who is afraid of clowns, what what do you normally tell them? What 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 do you say to a person who says, oh, no, 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 I can't take your class because I'm terrified of clowns? Um, well, the, the, the first thing that, that I say is that clown is such a broad thing. You can't say you hate clowns because you don't. Like, do you like Stephen Colbert? Do you like Will Ferrell? Do you like Lucille Ball? Do you like Charlie Chaplin? Do you like Dick Van Dyke? Like, then you, you like clowns. Like, uh, so, so no, no one can say that they hate clowns. If, if what you're talking about is when you see that sort of stereotypical figure of the circus or birthday clown, what you are afraid of then is makeup. So that's kind of a less interesting thing to say you're scared of. Oh, I'm scared of it when people put on really exaggerated makeup. That's <laughs> kind of a, a dumber thing to say you're scared of. Um, but, uh, you know, people, people do have these various, uh, I mean, it's, and it's always the same handful of ones. They're like, oh, uh, I saw that movie It when I was a kid. And I was like, yeah, well, that's not a clown. That was a scary alien monster who wore a clown suit to lure children to their death. Like, that's uh, effing scary. I, I don't know if I can curse on the show or not. But you that's, can curse that's, all that you is want. scary. Uh, uh, but clowns are not scary. Uh, so there's that one is a big one. There's, um, you know, oh, that, like there was a, that John Wayne Gacy, he was a serial killer, and he... he uh, dressed like a clown. And I'm like, again, he was not a clown. He was a children's birthday party performer who wore clown makeup and a clown suit who was also a serial killer. Like, serial killers are scary. Clowns are not scary. Like, um, so it, it really, I think a lot of the, oh, I hate clowns thing comes from, I think people think it's an interesting or like quirky thing to say that you're afraid of. And most people really are not. Um, but the people who legitimately are afraid of clowns, I think, uh, I, I think they say they're afraid of clowns not knowing what that word really means and, and not really understanding the thing that they're actually afraid of. Like, you're afraid of this person that's wearing the really garish makeup, and that's fine. Some people are afraid of masks and costume characters and things like that. Like, that's kind of just a version of that, but you can't say, like, that's just one tiny aspect of clowns. Like I said, there are clowns in Shakespeare, there are clowns uh, in reality television, there are clowns all over film, you know, Bugs Bunny is a clown, um, Wile E. Coyote is a clown, like, you, you can't blanketly say, oh, I hate clowns, because that, 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 that word encompasses too much for it to be true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, I, once again, I completely agree with you. And like I said before, anytime a anyone says, oh, I'm scared of clowns, or especially because I'm a counselor at circus camp, and anytime a kid is like, oh, I'm, I'm scared of clowns, I don't like clowns, I feel like it's because, like you said, they don't understand what a clown is. And so I try to teach them that a clown is about not only being goofy, but just being vulnerable, just being yourself and connecting, like you said, with the audience. That's what a clown is. A clown is not someone who murders people. That is a murderer. A clown is not right. somebody who burns down houses or hides in sewers. That is an arson and a crazy person. So those are not clowns. But I completely right. agree with you, and I, I encourage anybody listening who is afraid of clowns to take Mike's advice and to definitely reevaluate what you're really scared of and to give clowning a chance. That's what I say. Yeah. I, also, I also find it very interesting that people feel so empowered and emboldened to just say that to me all the time, like when they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a clown, and I run a clown theater, and I teach clown, and they're like, oh, my God, I hate clowns. I'm like, really? If I said I was a plumber... Would it be okay for you just to be like, oh my god, I hate plumbers? Like, yeah. that's such a, a, a rude thing to say. <laughs> right. right. They, no one says that about any other profession. Nothing. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that to a pilot. 
You went to Oak. Oh, you work for Delta? Oh, God. not I hate Delta. Delta's the worst. That's weird that they feel like it's okay. Because it's not even like if you, were, if you said, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian. You know, even then, no one would go, oh, my God, stand-up is the worst. But that, you know, that's weird that, that they feel okay to just because it's, it's a fake fear of theirs, they feel it's okay to say that directly to your face. Right. That's weird. So my, my final question for you is, um, throughout this interview, we've been referring to the word clown. We've used it in a lot of different ways. So to you, wh- what, what is a clown? Is a clown a noun, a verb, an adjective? Like, what does the word clown mean to you? Um... To me, it's it's really just em- embracing all all of the things that we've kind of been talking about. Like it's it's comedic performance, it's uh, vulnerability, it's uh, laughing at yourself, it's um, acknowledging the parts of you that are an idiot and the parts of you that are beautiful. Like all of that uh, is what clown is to me, and. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it is a, a noun, and it is a verb. Like you can clown, and you are a clown, and it, you know, I, I, it, it, it's it's all of that. Um, it's just a, to, to me, it's just a, a really fun and and sweet and uh, kind of mischievous and uh, vulnerable way of of interpreting the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a perfect way to describe it. I mean, that sums it all up in in just a short and sweet little little phrase like that. <laughs> so, so I know I told you that was the last question, but I lied to you because I like to ask every guest at the end of my show um the same question, and that question is if you were talking to somebody who wants to have a career in comedy or an, a career in performing and making people laugh, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say just do it as much as you can. Like com- comedy requires the audience, whether it's stand up or clown or improv or sketch, whatever. Like you, 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 you have an immediate indicator of whether or not it's good, which is the audience laughing. And the only way you're going to get that is by doing it in front of people as much as you can and uh, and and you have to not be afraid of the times that you don't hear that laughter like you can't be afraid of of the silence you can't be afraid of failing because you're you're going to be not funny for a long time before you 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 figure out um, what what really makes you funny in front of people so you say to just you know, keep keep going at it, even when there's a setback. Just keep keep on chugging through because you'll get to a point where you will be getting those laughs the majority of the time. Yes, I think so. And like I said, you can't take it you can't take it personally. Like you you have to learn from those times when you don't do well because, um, you know, it, as as much as it feels personal because you, you've created this thing, whether it's stand-up or, or clown or a sketch or an improv scene or whatever, you've created this thing out of your own mind and your own passion, and you feel a personal connection to it. Uh, so it's hard not to take it personally, but when they aren't laughing, they're just saying uh, that that's not funny. They're not saying you're a bad person or you're not funny or you should give up. They're saying that 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 you gave us wasn't funny. And so you need to learn from that and say, okay, well, that wasn't funny. So something about that needs to change. Either I need to stop doing it or I need to say it in a different way or whatever. You just have to, you have to learn from those uh, experiences where it doesn't work because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to get better. If you take it personally and go, oh, screw those guys. They didn't like it. Well, they just don't get me or whatever. Like, you're never going to grow. You're never going to get better being that way. Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I feel like I learned 
so much about you clowning and what you do. And I feel like people listening are hopefully going to have a better appreciation of what it means to be a clown and, and everything that clowns go through. And I hope, you know, anybody listening can really take some of the stuff that you said, not only if they want to be a performer, but like you said, again, to apply to their daily lives, being vulnerable, accepting your flaws, and just being yourself. You, I, I hope I hope they take that away. I'm sure you do, too. I hope so, too. <laughs> um, but thank you again, Mike, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. If you would like to learn more about Mike or his comedy or his clowning, visit his website. It's www.mikefunt.com. That's M-I-K-E. F-U-N-T. Be sure to also check out his clown troupe for clowns or the school that he teaches out, uh, and that is called The Clown School. And if you like the show, like us on Facebook at Talking Late Night and listen to us on iTunes and give us a review. We would appreciate it. And by we, I mean me, because I'm the one who looks at all the people who have reviewed the show. So once again, Thank you again to Mike, and thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.